This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. I have nobody. Oh, hello. Frank Proctor here, all alone in the studio. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, wait. I hear a voice from beyond. Yes, it is Charlie Dobbin. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. Charlie had a little accident on the ski hill yesterday, or should I say the ski flat? I know. I was great on the hills. It was the flats that killed me. So tell the folks what happened. You're you're doing the show from your home today. I am. I'm sorry I'm not there with you. I totally miss not seeing you, Frank. But uh, I thought it might be smarter to just do this over the phone today. Well, yeah, particularly when we can't raise your foot to put on the brake, you know. <laughs> well, no, it's my left leg. So I would have been okay probably if oh. I could get into the car to drive down. But you know how, how long that walk is from the front door of the studio? Oh, yeah. Studio? Yeah, thought, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to take me 20 minutes. Just to get I could have to piggybacked you down. Exactly. Well, so, there you go. And I thought, you know, this is smarter. I'll, I'll do it from yep. home. And yep. I, like I said, I totally miss you and all that. But, but I, you know, there's lots to say about gardening. And I had a great time yesterday. The snow was great. There, there was like nobody there. It was Georgian peaks and there's, you know, tons of snow and no lineups. And it was a lot of fun. But I did fall uh, completely for no reason on flat ground wearing my skis and couldn't for the life of me figure out how to get back up. <laughs> I'm and, sorry to laugh at your misfortune. but Well, it was my. funny, but it was also embarrassing. It was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to get up. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, I did some kind of a little twist on one of my knees Ooh, in my yeah. efforts to get up. And, and it's pretty sore, but it's going to get better because it's already better today than it was yesterday. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. well, you, you continue to be well, and now, just, just so we can picture you at home, are you in your PJs? No, darling, I got dressed. You got, you got dressed for the I show. I well, got dressed for that me. is pretty good, Elliot said. Oh, leave the negligee on. Go <laughs> <Yeah>. ahead. <Yeah. laughs> In honor of St. Valentine's That's Day. That's right. What did but, you do for Valentine's Day? Actually, uh, Di and I, uh, you know, we did. We uh, went to the, the Maple Leaf uh, Gardens, mm-hmm. uh, the former Maple Leaf Gardens, to the Loblaws there. Oh, I've, yeah. We'd never been there before. It's a destination spot. Man, is it great. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful, uh, and so we're going to plan to go there, you know, several times. <laughs> did you actually eat there? Or did you, you no, no, uh, we we had them, uh, and we normally uh, cook our live our lobsters from live, mm-hmm. but we thought, you know, we're going to have them cook them up. We oh. got two two pound lobsters, and they cooked oh. them up, and they're done in about eight minutes, and uh, we you know did the rest of our shopping while they were cooking. It was terrific. Did it you was take terrific. Them home? Tea yeah, tea? yeah. Oh. Actually, we had a nice dinner last night, and it was a little bottle of tea. Maria to top things off. And, oh, Perfect. It was it was delightful. Yeah. So, anywho, my friend, uh, here we are in the old garden show, and uh, 
Well, we're together in in spirit. Okay, mm, we are. Let me let me give you the phone numbers. Now I know you've got a number of things to cover off too, as far as uh, items and, and things going on. Yeah. So uh, if you want to reach Charlie, and you will uh, through the magic of uh, phones, television, and the workings of uh, Mr. James Patrick Dooley, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. That's in Toronto. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty. Four seven forty, and please remind uh, uh, James if you happen to be a first-time caller, because this is what you hear—the little b- uh, bell that oh. welcomes you. Yeah, and uh, the mantra, of course, Charlie: call early, call often. One question per call. Now over to you, my friend. All right. Do I have time, or should do we need to go to a break first? Ah, uh, geez. Well, you know, we'll do a break first. Okay, that's that's a good idea, and then then we'll come back. Cover off a lot of your goodies. We've already got folks on the line, so we're all set to roll along. All right, perfect. Okay, back in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, AM 740. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous of The uh, Garden Show, Frank Proctor here in studio at home. Charlie Dobbin nursing a sore knee from uh, skiing, but still able to do that show. And oh, my here... mouth still works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, don't say that. Oh, no, we'd be lost. Uh, first of all, uh, you've got a number of things you'd like to tell us about. Well, remember the great backyard bird count? It's oh, yeah. on right now. It's uh, it started yesterday on Friday. It runs all weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, and including on Monday. So, what is the great backyard bird count? It's taking a look out the window or taking a walk outside for 15 minutes with a piece of paper and a pencil. Count varieties of birds and count number of of individuals within the varieties and then uh, send that information into www.birdcount.org. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It's, you know, it's sort of um, regular people, you know, public science, people doing, you know, consumer science, if you will, doing the uh, maintenance of the records. Mm-hmm. Last year, there were, uh, there was seven continents represented, 111 countries, uh, more than 34.5 million birds were counted last year. Wow. So that's pretty cool. And it's wor- so it's certainly worth uh, getting involved in because it's all about maintaining records. So it's all about watching. Open yeah, and you years. just have each person has 15 minutes to do this, right? That's right. You yeah. do it within a 15 minute period, but you can do it again. Like you can, you, you can do as many 15 minute periods as you want. Oh, and great. as many days as you want. Uh, but it's a minimum of 15 minutes. That's all. All righty. That you look at birds. All right. So that's number one. That's going on today, right through till Monday. Uh, next weekend, mark your calendars, Get the Jump on Spring is happening at the Toronto Botanical Gardens from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Free admission, but a $2 donation is appreciated. So Toronto Botanical Gardens hosts this Get the Jump on Spring event every year. This is the 18th annual Horticultural Open House. It is co-presented by the Ontario Hort Association District 5 and obviously TBG. Now there's free presentations, there's demonstrations, there's shopping for local produce and used gardening books. Take an outdoor winter garden walk with Director of Horticulture, Paul Zamet. So lots and lots going on. Full schedule of events can be found online at www.torontobotanicalgarden.ca. And also going on next weekend, or starting next weekend, 
because you're not like a really into the gardening world, Frank. You know, no, no criticism there. I mean, you're a great sous chef. I'm the, I'm the undergardener. I know you that. Are, you are the undergardener for a reason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is a gentleman from England. His name is John Brooks. He is internationally renowned as a garden designer. He he's written over thirty books on the subject. He's like I say, very very widely regarded as innovative and an inspirational designer. So he is going to be in Toronto starting on the eighteenth of February. So that will be um, next to this coming Tuesday, right through until the twenty fifth. So he's here for a week. Um, he's going to be doing several presentations. One on Monday, February twenty fourth at seven thirty p.m. This special lecture is entitled The Gardens of John Brooks, uh, and as well on Tuesday, February 25th, again at 7.30, he's presenting Design with an Expert. Learn from John Brooks uh, about how garden designers work, what you need to know as a client, and what they need to know as your designer. I see. Where is all this happening, Charlie? Well, darling, it's all happening at the Toronto Botanical Garden. Well, there you are. There you are. Of course, that's at 777 Lawrence Avenue East, so Leslie and Lawrence. But John, I mean, the special part of all this is that John Brooks will be joining us next Saturday as our guest. No kidding. Does he come right live in the studio? I think we'll just do a phone thing. And oh, then we okay. can make more fun of his accent that way. Oh, goody. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. All but, right. no, we'll just have a, a, a chat with him next Saturday morning just to talk a little bit about what's sure. going on and, and also what he's doing. He's Like I say, he's doing all kinds of interesting lectures and, and you know, meet and greets and sign books and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a good opportunity. Oh, that's great. I look forward to that. Type of folk. Okay. Uh, okay. And anything else I have can wait because it's far enough in the future. We can hold it. Exactly. And we've got uh, several folks on the line just waiting, waiting to talk to you uh, (laughs) ever so patiently, like Dorothy in T.O., and she's got orchids on her mind. Hello, Dorothy. Hello. Sorry for your injury. No problem. Thanks for calling, Dorothy. Um, The thing is, I bought this orchid plant three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and it had four flowers on each stem. Mm -hmm. Well... I looked at it yesterday, and there's only one flower left on each stem. I've watered it according to their instructions, and I don't know what else to do. And I was wondering, do I get more orchids uh, now, or what? you might? What? Where have you got it located in your house? Yeah, it faces a south window, but of course there are Venetian blinds on the window. We haven't had that much direct sun, so because um, the house is warm. Okay, they like a bright spot. It doesn't need to be direct sun, as you point out, but it yeah. should be fairly bright. The yeah. um, m- Many of the orchids, and likely the, what you have is a phalaenopsis or a moth orchid. A north or east window is actually perfect if you have such a thing. But yeah. like you say, a south window is good, just not right in the window. Make sure it's, you know, five, ten feet away from the window. Uh-huh. And do open those Venetians during the day so that there's some light getting on the plant. Yeah. So, And you're watering as per the instructions on the orchid? It said, it said, keep it moist while I water it all about a cup every day. Oh, that's too much. But the thing is, it still seems dry, and well, I don't know what It's to living do. in bark. So Pardon? it is living in bark rather than in soil. So yeah. when you water your water, does it? where does it drain out into? You have a saucer well, below? You have, I asked you last, or a week oh, ago, yeah. or two weeks ago, that the bottom of the of the pot doesn't have holes in it. But you said there's an inside one. Yep, and you didn't find it? And I don't know. I haven't taken it out, so I don't know. 
See, I would dig down with my finger along the edge. Like there's probably either moss or bark chunks or something in that, you know, holding the orchid in place. I would, with my fingers, move some of that aside and go down the inside of that outer pot. And I think you'll find there'll be a plastic pot inside there. And then I would just, with my finger, pull that pot out. Mm -hmm. And the trick is you do not want that orchid sitting in a lot of water. Watering thoroughly is a good idea, but uh, but then it's got to drain out, and then you've got to eliminate the water from that from from the plant standing in it. Like give it fresh water. That's fine. Fresh water is good, but not every day. But when do I get more flowers? Well, you if you keep watering it like that, you won't get more flowers. So once a week is the most you should be watering it. Not well, every day. It's dry. Well, okay, it's dry to your touch, or it's dry. To, how do you know it's dry? Pardon? How do you know it's dry? I touch it with my fingers. And what are you touching when you're touching? What is it? Well, it, it feels dry and the flowers fell off. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, no flower lasts forever. So, I mean, orchids, the flowers last longer on orchids than on most plants. But still, they none of them last forever. But I would not be surprised. I mean, it, um, it, it's, it's likely a case of when you're, you said you're touching and it feels dry, what are you actually touching? What is, what is that? I beg your pardon? When you're touching yeah. and it feels dry, yeah. what are you actually touching? Um, the soil and whatever is around it. Okay. Because orchids aren't usually in soil. They're usually in chunks of bark. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's right. I see chunks of bark. Yeah, yeah now they will feel dry, no question, on the surface, but there's lots of moisture being held below within the air spaces, you know, within the spaces between the bark and the actual bark itself. Well, so, does it reflower? I mean... Yeah, many times they will reflower if they're looked after properly. So your challenge is water once a week, keep it in that bright spot, not not right in the window, but 10 feet away, yeah. and just keep an eye on it. You, you, If you slow down on your watering, you're likely to see more flowers come out on those flower stems. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks very much, Dorothy. Thanks, Dorothy. Uh, Good luck with that. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, almost having the other uh, callers drying up on the line here for a moment. Uh, oh, hey, look at this. Oh, First time caller, Linda, is on the line on uh, line three. I'm sorry I jumped the line on you. I was so excited there <laughs> about getting you on the air, Linda. Hi, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. How are well, you? Welcome, Linda. Thank you. What's going on in your garden? Uh, I'm looking ahead uh, mm. out of the snow and into the beautiful weather. I have a Paul's Scarlet Hawthorn tree. Mm-hmm. I've had it for over 20 years, planted it myself, and it's now reached the top of the second floor of our house, so it's a really, really nice big tree. Mm. Uh, produces gorgeous flowers in the spring, lovely foliage. But the last couple of years, every year around the last of July, 1st of August, all the leaves start to dry out. They turn brittle brown, yep. um, have a few spots on them, and it just rains leaves. Right. And by the second to third week of August, the tree is totally denuded. There right. is nothing left of it. And every year I think that's it. It's dead. Mm-hmm. And it just stays that way through the winter. And in the spring, up it goes again. I don't want those leaves to fall. It's no. a gorgeous tree. But it's huge. So but, what do I do? Well, but you're right. I mean, that early defoliation, even if it is late July, early August, it 
means that when the leaves drop like that, now the plant isn't photosynthesizing anymore. Mm -hmm. So over the years, that is weakening for the tree to lose its leaves a full month or more earlier than it needs to. Right. So what's happening there, and when you say they get kind of crispy and you see little spots, that's actually a fungal disease. It's a rust that gets embedded in the leaves. So two things you can do. Well, actually, probably three things you could do. It's a big tree. Number one, have you had it trimmed at all by a professional herborist? Not by a professional, no. The reason I bring that up is because when we have rust diseases within trees or shrubs, it often is worse if the plant is super dense and the canopy has got lots of branches and stems and there's not good air or sun penetration right. into the plant. Mm-hmm. And that's where an arborist can come in and properly thin the canopy of the tree to allow that better air and light okay. to come in and lower the opportunity for the fungus to really grow. Mm-hmm. So that would be number one suggestion. Number two is early this spring, before any leaves or flowers emerge, when will that be? It's hard to say. It could be March. It could be April. It would be a great idea if you could spray that tree with something called dormant oil. Yes, I know what that is. Dormant kit. So it's a dormant oil and lime sulfur mm-hmm. mixed together, sprayed onto the dormant tree, and that will also help lower the incidence of fungal diseases on the plant. Now, when you've got a tree as tall mm-hmm. as this one, because it is a big guy, mm-hmm. how on earth do you spray it yourself? Good question. And so that's the thing. When you're up to the second story now, depending on your water pressure, there are gizmos. It's called, it goes on the end of your hose. Oh, yeah. So it's a hose end sprayer. If you've got pretty good water pressure coming through your hose, you can shoot a long ways with those. Oh, good, good. So you're likely to be able to spray it yourself with a hose end sprayer. Okay. Um, the trick, of course, with the oil and the lime sulfur, you have, because it's one of those things, you mix some oil, you mix mm-hmm. some of the lime sulfur, which smells like rotten eggs. Yeah, yeah, we've used it before. On yeah, the water and then you start spraying but you've got to keep agitating that hose and sprayer to keep those two items staying mixed as you're spraying okay okay so arborist to thin dormant spray to lower the fungal disease opportunity and number three is what we call good garden hygiene try and ensure that there are no leaves on the property from last year, this coming spring. Mm -hmm. And if any leaves start to get a little discolored and start to defoliate early, be right on top of raking them up and removing them from the the area. Right, exactly. Just again, because of that, the spores that will come off those leaves, reinfecting the tree. Makes sense. And as I'm looking at the tree right now, the branches have a lot of I don't know what you'd call it. I, I call it lichens. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, like a gray, crusty stuff. Yeah, it probably is lichen. Is that the fungus? No. No, that it probably is lichen. And lichen is just taking the opportunity to grow there, and it's not hurting the tree whatsoever. Oh, beautiful. Okay, yeah. so we'll yeah. take good care of it and hopefully get yeah. a few more years. It is a spectacular oh, bloom in the spring. Gorgeous really tree. I love them. Yeah, shiny yeah. leaves. It's really pretty. Mm-hmm. Okay, All well, right. thank well, you so much. Thanks for your call, Linda. All right, then. Bye-bye. And with that call, we uh, must immediately go to a, a word from some of our sponsors, Charlie, and come back to talk to Rochelle, who is waiting here in Toronto to have a chat with you, okay? Thank you. All righty, back in just a couple of moments here on Charlie Dobbins' Garden Show from AM740. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM740. 
Well, we've got a very nice problem here, Charlie. We're being besieged by first-time callers. Oh, excellent. Yeah, let's welcome Paula from St. Catharines uh, to the... Oh, in a moment. Rochelle is coming up next <laughs> as... I, I get so excited about first-time callers. Say, I yeah. need to be there to keep Rochelle. you organized. <laughs> you, you need to keep me in hand here. Uh, Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and good morning, good morning. Good morning, welcome. Thank you, and I'm sorry I'm not a first-time caller. <laughs> you know what, I'm going to give you the bell anyway. <laughs> okay. You can always use wings. <laughs> okay, thank you. So uh, I just uh, have a news flash. I was watching uh, The Crawl on the Weather Channel or some other channel, and the last time, and the Great Lakes apparently are almost frozen over this year, And the last time this happened was in 1994. And so I have hope that we're going to have wonderful summers as we have had in the past 20 years because it's obviously a cyclical thing, and I won't get political about it. But I wanted to ask about my Abigail double peony tulips. I put six in... Uh, the 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 fall before last fall, so that they would bloom, and they started to bloom. They grew beautifully, mm-hmm. and uh, one morning I came out and all the heads had been lopped off. Only those six. So I'm thinking that I need to move them, and I'm wondering how early I can move them. Hmm. And you know who probably lopped them off, eh? Well, that's what neighbors are saying, that it was the squirrels, but they were the only ones that got lopped, and they were beauties. I mean, beautiful, you know, healthy leaves and tall stems, Mm. and they would have been gorgeous. But I have have, uh, funny business on my front garden anyhow, so... Well, so when you're thinking about moving them, where will you move them to where they'll be safe from squirrels? Well, I'll move them because they were right by the, the sidewalk, I'll just uh, try and move them. I'll have to separate them a little bit, and, and I'll just move them in into the garden a little oh. further away from uh, traffic m- mischief. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I would be inclined to do because they are gorgeous tulips. You have two options. One is if you know exactly where they are, then you're going to start to see them peeking up through the ground eventually, whenever that is, March, April, May. Theoretically, you could dig it down because you're going to know that that's exactly where you planted them and that's exactly what's coming up and carefully lift them, trying to maintain some soil around the root ball and have a a place already to pop them back into the soil, planting them at the same depth that they were just growing. But that is a bit of a tricky thing to do with a waking up tulip and the ground might be soggy and it might be hard to be in the garden at that time of year. I'd be more inclined for this year, let them come up and be prepared for whether it's squirrels or or whatever interference. Um, Make yourself some kind of a little cage to go over them. It could be made out of chicken wire. It could be made out of, um, you know, some coat hangers with some string. You know what I'm saying? Just make a bit of a barricade so that it's hard for any creature to get in there and, and get a chew on them. Once you've enjoyed their flowers and the flowers are finished, 
and the leaves are starting to die down, so that's a good six weeks later, mm-hmm. you, you definitely know exactly where they are because you've just watched them bloom. At that point, so by that time it might be June, maybe even you know late June, you'll, that would be the time to transplant them, is dig them up and move them over at that point to a different location. And that way you'll get the flowers this year. Uh, you won't ha- you sort of take advantage, um, have a risk of you know, losing this year's flowers or having impact on the flowers for 2015. Okay, so now I have to use my ingenuity to find, figure out how to make a cage. Yeah. Because that was my first thought, was yeah. to protect the blossoms yeah. somehow. Yeah. Uh, but you're thinking, you're, you're advising not to move them when they first come up. Well, just because there's a risk involved. And I mean, the risk, not so much that you're going to kill the bulbs for the long term, but there's a risk in terms of actually getting flowers for this coming spring. Okay, and I hope your knee is better. Oh, thank you. And I'm looking forward to a wonderful spring. Me too. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay, Rochelle, uh, please you get through the uh, on the lines. And by the way, that leaves a line open right now, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province to call Charlie, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And in just moments, we're going to come back to have a word with Paula. Do you want to make a little mention here, Charlie? say, remember we talked, uh, Rochelle made me think about this when she was talking about the Great Lakes freezing over and, you know, changes to our our ecosystem. Remember a few weeks ago we were talking about milkweed seed and monarch butterflies? Yeah. And I sort of listed off a whole bunch of websites and then said, you know, we've got to get this up on the, the uh, our website, the AM740 website. So all that information has been posted uh, by one of our wonderful web support people there at the station. For anybody who wants to learn more about milkweed seed suppliers or, you know, supporting our monarch butterflies, just go to our website, so zoomerradio.ca. Once you're in that website, right away you're going to see all the hosts. So go to the host section, and of course go to me, Charlie Dobbin, as a host. As soon as you bring up me, um, there'll be a little story about who I am. And if you click on the more, it'll come up with the podcast connection, so the, if you want to listen to past podcasts, but it'll also come up with the uh, links to uh, Monarch Butterfly Support. Excellent idea. So it's all there under hosts. So, of course, me being the host, I'm sorry, it's not under you, the sous chef, it's under me. Well, I know. Uh, <laughs> you've done it to me again. <laughs> <laughs> but it is from either am740.ca or the correct email, or sorry, website is actually zoomerradio.ca. Either one will get you in there. Okay, that's good, Charlie. Thanks. Must take a break right now. More first-time callers coming up on the show, the Garden Show from AM740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, Dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden ringing the bell for Paula in St. Catharines. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Um, I was calling. I have a tulip question, too, but... um, I was wondering, I bought a box of tulips, but I didn't plant them yet. 
Is it too late? Oh, it's too late. It's too, well, it's too late to plant them outside because it's just too frozen out there. Oh, actually, I got a balcony. I was going to container grow them. Oh, okay. So that's exactly right. I was going to say that's the one thing you can do is pot them up into just regular nursery pots, you know, the green plastic ones we get flowers in, etc. Uh, potting soil. Um, as many bulbs as will fit into the pot, just so they're almost touching. So that's closer together than we would ever plant them in the ground. And then your challenge is to get them like in the, like potted up, watered once, and then cool, but not frozen. So they can't be below freezing, otherwise they will just die. They'll turn to mush. Mm. But you do want that just kind of refrigerator temperature. Actually, I've had I've put the box in the refrigerator for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, they're probably growing if you open the box. Have you looked inside the box? No. If you look inside, I bet you'll see all kinds of roots growing as we speak. Because they will respond to the cool and they will start to grow. Okay. How long have they been in the fridge? Well, maybe two weeks or three weeks. Okay, so they will need to be in the fridge for longer. Ultimately, they should be in the fridge for eight to ten weeks. Okay. So you could either, I mean, the, the, because they do start to grow once they go into the cool like that, it's always easier to pot them up first and then put them in the fridge if you have room. Okay. Uh, and that can be the challenge. But that's what I would do. I'd get them potted up today, get them back into the fridge, mark your calendar what day to bring them out, and when you bring them out, you can we'll bring them into room temperature, typically in your home, or if it's warm enough, they could go right outside. Okay, how long do they have to stay in the fridge? Uh, they should be in there for a total of 10 to 12 weeks. weeks. Okay, I better do it today. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for your call. Bye. Oh, Boy, that's a good question from Paula. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people do that. They buy bulbs and then they get busy on other things and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's February and I didn't plant my bulbs yeah. yet. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, we've got work for, uh, for her all set up. Thanks to you. And Jerry, uh, let's see, from Toronto, another first-time caller anxious to talk to Charlie Dobbin right now. Hello, Jerry. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, listen, when it comes to plants, I'm a serial killer. I just cannot <laughs> keep plants alive. You and Frank would get along great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, w- uh, I was given this plant, and I'm not too sure if it's a cactus or succulent. I've had it for about two years now. Mm. It's a tubular shape, long tubular shape with a really sharp point at the top. And it has zebra-like colors around it, zebra-like strings or uh, white right. colors. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So is that a succulent or a cactus, would you know? Tubular, sharp points, but it stands up or it, it trails stands down? Up. Yeah, straight up. Well, not straight up, but, you know, it stands up. Boy, um, and it's got like a serrated edge or it's... Uh, no, got... it's a really sharp point. Really sharp point. And it's it's likely actually a member. Well, yeah, you're right. So, a su- what's kind of the definition of a succulent is plants that have thick leaves, leaves that can hold water, Le- uh, leaves like jade plants. Mm, these aren't That's, leaves. Yeah, They're so that would like be your long, traditional thick, tubular succulent. things with really extremely sharp point, and they got the same colors as zebra. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, it almost sounds like it could be something called the common name is mother-in-law's tongue. That's where that sharp thing comes in. And and, uh, they often are striped, multi-colors. And those are leaves. They're very upright, leathery, almost cardboard, strong type leaves. The proper name is Sansevieria. So (laughs) S-A-N. 
S-E-V-A-R-I-A. Excellent plant for people that want plants and aren't sure what to do with them because the best thing about this plant is you can completely ignore it and it will just keep on growing. That's my problem, Charlie, because for the last three, not two months, not three months, but two months, Mm -hmm. I haven't watered it at all. Okay, that's fine. And the soil around us like concrete. Oh, yeah. So it's probably time to be over friendly to your cactus or succulent by overwatering it. I wondered how often to water it because it's only grown about a centimeter in the last two years. Right. But that's good. See, I mean, well, there's two things. One is by by not watering it, it's alive. But by not watering it, it's growing so slowly you can hardly see any kind of change. So what I would do is get yourself on a schedule perhaps once a month maybe water it. It, it depends how much sun. Have you got it in a window or in a yes, dark corner? South, south windows. It gets, gets lots of sun. Okay. So if you're giving it lots of sun, then you're going to have to water it a little more often. You might want to consider watering it every two weeks even. How much do I what Do I drown it? Uh, well, you want to water it thoroughly enough that the water will run right through into the into the dish below, and then you want to let it sit in that water for about ten minutes, so that the water will slowly get you know percolate, get absorbed back up into that really dry concrete like soil. No at the bottom. Pardon? It's in a pot with no hole at the bottom. Oh, well, that's not good. That makes it very hard for watering it. So you know what I would do? I'd try, I'd repot it. Yeah. Repot it into a pot that has drainage. Okay. And then put that little pot with a little or, or how big do you think the pot is it's in now? About a six inch pot maybe? Uh if that. Okay, so even smaller. So you could go up one size. So say okay. it's in a four inch pot now. You could go up one size, which would be to a six. If it's yeah. in a six, you could go up to an eight. They don't have big root systems, these plants, so it's probably not pot bound, but the main thing is to get it into a pot with drainage and get a saucer below. And then you can judge way better how often to water and how much. Then how much would I water it? Uh, well, like I said, you want to really thoroughly saturate it when you do water it. You do not want it to sit in a tray or you know a, a bowl of water for longer than 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, and then after you've uh, dumped out that excess water from the, the bowl below, you're just going to let it sit there in that sunny location until it feels dry and concrete-like again, yeah. whether that's this, one week thing, or 10 days. Flower? Pardon? Does this thing flower? It does if you've really? got it in a sunny location and you water it properly. Really? Yeah. And That's it's really, excellent. really fragrant when it flowers. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a great plant, though. So enjoy. Thank you. All right. Thank you for uh, connecting with us here at AM740 in particular. When I say we, it's the royal we, of course. Charlie <laughs> Dobbin, uh, the queen of the garden here at AM740. Well, don't forget James. He's part of the royal we. Well, yes. James, he also mentions he is not a queen, though. Okay. <laughs> just, no, just, I get to be the only queen, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, you are the only one. You are the only one. <laughs> As a matter of fact, is. we are going to, at this point in time, take a little bit of a break. We've got um, another, in fact, two more first-time callers oh, online wow. that we'll get to momentarily after we have these uh, few words from our friendly sponsors here at AM740. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Frank Proctor here, uh, the undergardener of The Garden Show. Of course, Charlie at home today, nursing a sore knee after her wonderful skiing experience. Uh, in any <laughs> it case... It was wonderful, other than the sore knee. Yeah, other than that. Uh, <laughs> and as I've mentioned, Charlie, we have a ton of first-time callers. Mel from Toronto included. Hey, welcome to the show, Mel. 
Yeah, good, good morning. morning. Um, I have a bit of a problem with grubs in the lawn. Mm. And uh, I realize chemicals are a problem to, to get right now. What is your suggestion? Well, for now, if you had grubs in your lawn last fall, they will have spent the winter down below the frost line, assuming they could get down far enough and survive all that ice and snow. And once the, we start getting a little warmer and the ground starts to thaw, they will come back up from the depths and right. keep eating, start chewing your, the roots of your turf again. There's absolutely nothing you can do other than stand back and encourage the birds to come in and eat the grubs. Unfortunately, other animals like skunks and raccoons could come in and make a mess and, and also eat the grubs. But there's really absolutely nothing you can do other than, and this is Frank's forte, the nematodes as the control of grubs. But nematodes are applied in early August as very, very tiny eggs. And those tiny nematode eggs will hatch and eat those grubs way back in the fall. Unfortunately, if there was no nematodes applied last fall, then you, there's nothing you can do until this next coming sort of early August. And uh, all the chemicals are now barred, right? Or That's banned? correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. And those chemicals didn't work in the spring anyway, right? Well, when do they usually work? In the in the fall. When see what happens is is what the the grubs that we see in the spring are big, like really big, and right. very leathery because, like I say, they've gone down deep through the soil and come back up through the soil. So their outer skin is quite tough, and there was never none of those grub killers that we used to use all those years ago. None of them ever effectively penetrated that leathery grub. Um, armor that they had in the spring. The chemicals and the nematodes all work early when the grubs are tiny, when they've just hatched, because remember the grubs do have a, a long life cycle. So I want to catch them when they're tiny babies, when their skin is very thin, and whether it's nematodes or chemicals, that can be very effective. And that is, like I say, is like a July-August time frame. Okay, that's when I'll hit them. Okay, right. thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Thanks, Mel. You know, uh, the system here at the station, uh, those of you I think most uh, know that we have a monitor in the studio when Charlie's here with me. We're looking at the monitor, and James Patrick Dooley puts a little message on about who's calling and uh, what the call is about. And that particular call was preceded by a little message saying, over-friendly grubs. And I, <laughs> I just had in my mind, uh, my mind's eye, a little picture of all these little grubs high-fiving each other all over the guy's lawn. Uh, uh, or, or coming to coming for cocktails and staying for exactly. dinner and never leaving, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Those kinds of well, unwanted guests. Charlie, as, as I've mentioned, we've just uh, no shortage of first-time callers, which is delightful. Yeah. That little ring of the bell is for Jean in Hamilton. Hi, Jean. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Charlie? Great. How are Hope you? Hope you recover soon. Oh, thank you. I know what pain in the knees mean. <laughs> um, what I'm calling about is you had someone on about orchids earlier. Mm -hmm. I got one three years ago at a wedding. It was a centerpiece for each table. Mm -hmm. And it's still it's coming back out in flowers again. It's in buds. Excellent. And um, all I put on it is uh, ice cubes. I put about four ice cubes on it on a Wednesday and on a Sunday. Oh, okay. Every week, and it's just beautiful. 
The ice cube idea, I know that Terry Kennedy, who was on the show, was opposed to the ice cubes just because she thought that was just too cold for the poor little orchids to have to deal with. But it can be effective for a lot of people just because they're, well, they're, they melt slowly. Yes, that and idea I'm in a south slow. window with sunshine all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a big bay window, and then I've got 27 geraniums that I've oh, really? over. Yeah, yeah. And and with geraniums, too, they say you can't bring them in a pot from outside. Mm. And I thought, well, my one pot last two years ago was just beautiful. And I brought it in, and I put it out in the summer again. Yeah, of course. It was oh, yeah, so you can nice. do that. Well, they always say you have to do your cuttings and all that. You don't have to do that either. No, no, you can bring in the whole plant. But not everybody has a big enough kind of bay window, a big sunny window. Yeah, geraniums. They want the space, and they will happily grow. I mean, I have a coleus right now in my southern bay window, which started, you know, came in from the garden in a pot and is now probably, you know, three feet across and three feet tall. I mean, it's huge. Oh, wow. So it's, like, got to be all cut back just to allow it some room for everything else. Yeah, you always have to trim it a bit, right? Everything, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they they have a a better shape or form when we're taking them outside again in the spring. Yeah. My orchid is just beautiful. It was just it's only three stems, uh-huh. and I've got blossoms on all three stems because I didn't know whether to cut them back or not. Oh, no. So I'm glad I didn't cut it back. <laughs> Great. Oh, good so, for you. And I, I, well, you had to support it because it got so heavy. It has so many blossoms. I oh. think that we had over 20 blossoms on it. Oh, wow. And so the one branch was just weighing down. So I went to the uh, 14th florist, and I got sticks. Yeah. And I got little clamps. <laughs> yeah. It's all over, but it's yeah. cute. That's great. Yeah, no, they do get a bit top heavy, don't they? So that was a good idea. Yeah, they do. Well, they do. So. Happy stories. We like those. Yeah, for Jean, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks for your call, Jean. Okay, bye bye. Oh, bye. And do make yourself at home here anytime on the Garden Show. That goes for all our first time callers yeah. this morning. We had, I think, a record batch of folks <laughs> calling in to talk. Were to you Charlie. tracking how many first time callers were there? Do you know, uh, gee whiz. I just folded up my little sheet. We had uh, at least uh, six. Wow. Yeah, that was, it was tremendous. So, in any case, my friend, uh, I'm thinking of you as you're nursing that poor little knee of yours. Yeah. You just continue to get better. I've got ice on it. Oh, oh, good idea. Yeah. I'll be fine for next week. I promise. That's that's super. So, we expect your smiling countenance in here once again, then? Absolutely. And you're back in the studio later this afternoon, Yeah, I'll be back here at 1 o'clock. Okay. In the meantime, the Dave's Corner Garage guys are here and oh. all set to take on the world. Alan Gelman, I think, is hosting the show this morning. If uh-huh. I, yes, I'm getting the thumbs up. That's the yeah. correct uh, procedure going to go on. I guess the auto show is on right now, too, right? Oh, the boys will have tons to say about that. You know it. Okay. <laughs> You've got to have yourself thanks. a good week, Charlie. Yeah, thanks, Frank, so much for being there. I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you. And thanks, James Patrick Dooley, for all your help and to all our amazing callers one more time, and especially the first timers everybody have a great week and i will definitely see you next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.